0: From beach towels to tea towels, and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT shop has it all. Browse our shop now at TNTradio.live. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT, with Joseph Arthur and his Technicolor Dreamcast. Do you like knives? My next guest makes the most beautiful knives I've ever seen, and I mean it. They're incredible. I like nice things. I don't have... Anything like one of her knives though, that's that nice. I need to, well, some of my guitars might rival it, but who knows? Chelsea Miller is an artist and entrepreneur. She's the owner and creative force behind Chelsea Miller Knives, her lauded eponymous brand of bespoke handmade culinary knives and her newest venture, The Knife Factory, which is an event space production studio and showroom located in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, in a field dominated by men, she brings a distinct feminine sensibility to her craft and wields her hammer to a rhythm all of her own. And I can verify that she makes really, really beautiful knives. Chelsea Miller, thanks for coming on the show. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, Joe. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. And thank you for that intro. That was a mouthful. i going to chop it up with some knives next time
0: yeah I gotta chop that up I gotta edit it I gotta make it better so um yeah I mean your Instagram page is awesome and and just uh you know the knives you make are really really something spectacular it's it's kind of an unusual field to get into I would think I mean how did you make your I know you wanted to sort of be an actor and get into film but how did you make your way into crafting these incredible knives
1: uh well it kind of combines all those things i've always considered myself a storyteller and so um when i was growing up i was always like putting on plays writing stories making art Moved to the city to pursue acting and really became kind of um underwhelmed with the the business and just got back into back to my roots and working with my hands and really i mean i feel so fortunate the reason i got into knives was only because i had access My father was a blacksmith and a carpenter and I grew up in his shop. It was like in my blood since I was little. Of course, I never wanted to have anything to do with it until I got older, but it was amazing to kind of come back to the home, to my father's workspace and figure out like what it, what was I wanted to stay as a storyteller in the world and be able to have access to just playing around in his shop and knife making kind of found me by accident through that process. And has really just been such a rewarding, a rewarding gift.
0: It's interesting because I was reading your story and your father f- falling ill was what brought you back into that realm in some kind of way. And I'm, and there is, you know, it's, it's wild cause we're talking about knives, but they're, they're beautiful on the level of art. like art is supposed to also be useless, right? Like I've heard that the definition of art is that it has no use. I don't know what do you think of that do you think art has to be useless or can an object that has use be art
1: that's a really great question and um you know I can appreciate a lot of art where you can kind of detach from from finding a use for it right like I, I honestly feel like I wish I and hope I can get to a point with my art where I can let go of all function and 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 use and meaning. <laughs> you know, I feel like within, within the useful piece, I'm able to uh, explore something completely unknown and completely undefinable, but yet it's still an object that has a specific purpose. So I, I think about those things all the time and I I'm not quite sure as an artist that I'm there yet to be able to completely let go of form. When I'm making my knives, I think what makes them so unique is that they are very loose in form and they're somehow hard to understand. And how do you put them together into uh, you know, using them as a culinary object? But at the same time, like they do have to function very precisely as a culinary object. So i have kind of I, I don't know if I've blended those two things on purpose or I'm just trying to separate them little by little and become move more into my art.
0: Hmm. And so there might come a time when you take the aesthetic of your knives um, and, and just put them maybe on a canvas or on some sort of sculptural piece that has nothing to do with uh, cutting into a steak.
1: Honestly, that is my dream. And that seems so scary to me, <laughs> but I'm trying to kind of turn myself inside out to eventually end up at that point, I think.
0: And what do you think is the block that makes that scary to you?
1: Mm. Um. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. Like, I think, you know, what I love about the fact that I found knife making is that I am an artist in the studio while I'm making them, right? Like it's a very it's a very kind of cosmic place to be, very meditative. It allows me to kind of um, process what's going on in my life and then have something to say through my art about things that I'm going through. But at the end of the day, it still is a piece that's able to be critiqued in a certain way, compared. And I really bump up against that all the time with, people, uh, comparing them to other knives. And I feel like, well, it can, and it cannot be compared to other knives. So yeah, I, I, it's a good question about that block. Um, I'm still working on that. I'm working on the edges of finding out what that block is, but maybe getting closer and closer.
0: You use the word edges there. I caught that. It's just, you can't help <laughs> it with the knives. They always come in and no matter what, it's like the edge it needs the edge. I'm an edge addict. Um, yeah. but cause to me, it seems like, you know, just from the outside looking in that you've built such a f- base for your knives and you've had a lot of success with them that you could make other objects sculptural and stuff like that relatively easily. And you wouldn't have to abandon knife making, but it could be mm-hmm. a, a sort of another aspect that could evolve really easily. But I, I, I can relate to it in this. I'm a musician, singer-songwriter, and when I go up on stage, I like to be funny. I like and I'm sometimes pretty good at it, you know. And and I also have secret ambitions of just going into straight-up comedy sometime or trying my hand at going to a comedy club, but I have that same block. So I need the guitar and the justification of my songs to go on stage and then in between the songs I can try to be funny. But I wouldn't necessarily there's a block for me going up there, abandoning singer songwriter thing and just trying to be funny. I feel like that's the similar uh, analogy with what you're talking about. <laughs>
1: hundred percent. And actually, like I, I often have to remind myself to listen to what I say. And I say this a lot about like the fact that I had access as a young person. And even now, like my main ambition in the last few years is to create access for other people and other women especially to try their hand working with machinery or with wood and different materials. And when I listen to myself say that, I realize, like, I just need more access. Like, I, I instead of deciding I'm going to make a painting, I just need access to some paint, you know, access to some clay. And I think that I'm kind of working on that right now in providing that for everyone, but also myself. Like, that's probably why I'm providing it for others is that I need a little bit of that for myself to just... See what it feels like. I feel like as an as an artist, I never really know what it is or how it is. I want to say it until I get into the material, and then let the material kind of guide me, kind of guide me in that way. It's like a it's like a dance.
0: That's absolutely true. And I don't want to blow your mind, but there are these things called art stores where you can buy clay <laughs> and canvas and paint and brushes and have access to all those things. Never I mean, heard of that. that. You, I grew, it I grew, is pretty I grew expensive, but.
1: I grew up um, making our own pigment. So, you know, it's a process.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, that is your aesthetic. Um, mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, just the whole uh, access thing. And I don't know, thinking about your your father and, and what, you know, in his illness and you losing him. And I don't want to get too heavy or anything. But like, how much do you think the the knives are sort of in tribute to his legacy.
1: Oh, that that's that's so beautifully put and um entirely. Um you know, I always had a really close relationship with my dad. Um but once I got into metalwork and brought my studio out of his workshop and into a studio in Brooklyn, I've had many in Brooklyn, but the first one he actually came down and helped me set up all my tools. And it just opened this incredible line of communication where I'd be on the phone with him at lunchtime every day for like an hour, asking him questions, um, sharing insights, sharing victories, sharing losses. And it was an incredible way to connect with him even though I was losing him. And I remember when he died, like I've, I've never like loved the look and feel of my own hands, but looking at my hands and feeling like, Okay, wow, these hands are, these are the, this is the legacy. These hands are for two. This is all the knowledge, the deep understanding, the dreaming, all the work that's all like g- gone, unfinished and undone. I just felt so, so honoring of what my hands are capable of and just wanting to be as open as possible to dream for me, for everybody, for him, for all of us.
0: Mm, that's amazing. So you didn't like your hands before, but now it's almost like, that's your place of communion with your father and the knives are sort of a testimony of that. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. I think about, I think about that with our feet too. Like our feet walk us around all day long. Right. We never say thank you. Like we, we don't, they, they never complain. Well, sometimes they complain, but it's like, you know, our hands and our, our, our hands and our feet do so much for us. And we get so stuck in our head about what's, what's perfect and imperfect. And when I kind of tune into the gift that I have, of having my hands and just being able to detach a bit and let and let them play and connect with my heritage it's it's just i feel so fortunate so great and how could i ever how could i ever judge them for the way that they look i mean they they perform mystery and magistry and (laughs) alchemy and they're really good at scratching like
0: (laughs) (laughs) well also, you
1: know, I love, I love just breaking things apart with your hands.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and so in the field of knife making, is there a lot of competition? Is there a lot of people that make like really intricate knives and beautiful knives? And, and are you familiar? Is there a community of people that you access and talk to and compete with and all that kind of thing? Like in the music business?
1: I don't feel all that welcome in the knife community, to be honest. Um, There are very, very few women in the field. Um, It's obviously mostly dominated by men. Most all of them are incredible knife makers. And amongst themselves, I feel like they are very competitive. Um, In my opinion, they're all sort of making the same version of the same knife and I don't, and I'm not really, I'm not, I'm so uninterested in competition and so uninterested in, um, trying to emulate someone else's artwork that I kind of just stay in my own corner when it comes to the knife community. Um, yeah, I I've never really felt that welcomed and I've had some, some, some kind of bad negative experiences too. So I kind of just I kind of just stay in my own in my own lane and, you know, try to encourage other knife makers to be as imaginative as possible, as, as opposed to like just comparing and competing.
0: That's surprising to hear. I would think you would be absolutely embraced in that world. That's that's crazy. I don't, like that makes no sense at all that you, you know, that you would feel unwelcome there, but it's funny because human nature is the same everywhere. The fact that there is cliques and all that kind of stuff and in groups and whatnot, it's wild that it exists in the knife building realm as well.
1: (laughs) It's true. And I had um, an experience quite a few years ago now with a very well-known knife maker who invited me to his shop and I thought that was very generous. And he admitted to me once I was there, you know, the reason I invited you here is because I really thought you were a fraud and I just wanted to put you in your place. And now I can see that you are a true artist and I apologize. Um, And I really appreciated that honesty. But I think that that unfortunately is the bias of a lot of other knife makers is that I don't know what I'm doing. I'm always told like, oh, you know, her her, her boyfriend makes those for her or her or her dad made all those for her and she doesn't know what she's doing and she's just trying to get attention. Um, and you know, I just like I let I let people have their opinions of what they're doing of, of what I'm doing and I just focus on what makes me happy and why I do it. I'm not I'm not trying to uh, impress anybody. I'm just trying to, you know uh, regurgitate my world through my art.
0: That's weird i don't know why anyone would think you were faking i mean the only thing i could say is because you know you're you're obviously attractive and i don't mean to be disrespectful and acknowledging that or in any way but it's like it's kind of coming up now because i feel like that's the underneath of this like if you know, maybe if your appearance wasn't as it is, that that maybe they would think you're legitimate. Do you think that has something to do with it? Because I just don't understand how. Like, I never once saw your page and thought, "I bet she's not really making those." Like, that just never even crossed my mind. I was just like, "Wow, she well, makes knives. Those are really beautiful." Yeah, well, I, don't know. I
1: appreciate that. Thank you. And uh, to to be, uh, you know, in in the past when people would ask me a similar question, like, uh, you know, have Have you experienced any adversity being a woman in a male dominated world? I would always say like, no, no one's ever said no to me, but that's not really true. In fact, yes, all the time. And I think that, you know, some people, uh, men are maybe more uh, evolved and can kind of wrap their head around it. But many, many, many times uh, men in the field and adjacent to the field have just told me that I should get myself a nice husband and stop worrying them with their problems with my problems. And, and even for even when I was um looking for manufacturing quite a few years ago now for a steak knife that I was commissioned to make for what was at the time the number one restaurant in the world, um they gave a sample back that was nothing like what I had asked for. And when I when I mentioned that, they said, Well, we didn't think you wanted it like that. Like that just doesn't make sense. And th- It's just it's very it's very it's it's hard to hear that it's it's very hard for me not to be taken seriously. Um, And you can really I can let it penetrate, you know, sometimes and it's it's really it's really awful. Um, And instead of trying to build a thick skin and be angry about it, it just makes me feel like how can I go deeper into helping people understand what it is I do and why, as opposed to just being mad. Um, and that's kind of my, that's part of my journey is just being more specific, more myself, like just giving more beauty into the art that I'm making. Maybe it becomes more complex and complicated for people to understand, but I'm, there's, there's no way that I can try and break it down and make it easy for those people. Like, that's just, I'm sorry, if if you don't get it, it's not for you.
0: If you don't get it, it's not for you. Man, there's a, there's always mountains to climb and no matter what field you're in, we'll talk more about those right after these words on tnt tnt radio's timothy shea the double standard is out there it's so obvious it's so frustrating eric holder gets held in contempt of congress for defying a congressional subpoena nothing happens obama's doj didn't pursue it steve bannon and peter navarro defy a congressional subpoena joe biden's doj criminally prosecutes them criminally prosecutes them for defying a congressional subpoena. And now we've got congressional subpoenas of Hunter Biden and James Biden, the resident's brother. And guess what? Nothing's going to be done by Merrick Garland, Barack Obama, Joe Biden's DOJ. That's right, I said Barack Obama. Obama's the shadow president. He's not the one pulling the strings. He wasn't pulling the strings in his own administration. You know, Valerie Jarrett was his minder. Where is the Iranian born Valerie Jarrett these days? Haven't seen or heard much of her. It's because the Democrats are smart. Timothy Shea on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Radio works because of its ability
1: to personalize to the listener.
0: What's exciting these days is that people are rediscovering it. You know, people are really rediscovering just how powerful radio is, how ubiquitous it is. It's in our cars. It's in our homes. There are so many new ways to access it. It's everywhere. To find out more, go to tntradio.live today's news talk radio
1: come on let the man talk we never censor our hosts
0: good now talk uncensored news today's news talk radio tnt and we're back with chelsea miller knives chelsea miller she makes knives she's got the knife factory in brooklyn what's going on with new york i've been there a few times recently and i like it i mean the vibe is okay you know you hear stories on the news about how uh, it's, you know, people are going more crazy. There's all all kinds of more crime in the, in the blue states or the blue cities and all that, the big cities. Um, but how are you feeling about New York and life in New York lately?
1: I am loving life in New York lately. Um, I just feel like especially since coming out of the lockdowns of the pandemic, there is such a hunger for people that are already drawn to New York to build new community. And I feel that for myself. Like I always thought I had a great community, but now that I really have the opportunity in this kind of new feeling, New York, it's like, no, let's, let's build a community one person at a time. Like, here's the door, there are the steps enter in, like, let's, let's build this one person at a time. And it's been incredible. And, you know, I, I left New York for a little while. I left at the, the first, first month of 2020, I went home and stayed with my, with my family in Vermont. And uh, as great as that was to get out of New York, I was able to kind of see New York as like a snow globe, like, wow, the, there is actually a world outside of New York, which I had forgot about. Um, that was amazing. But when I asked myself, like, am I done with New York? Is New York done with me? The answer is hell no. Like, there's there's a lot more. There's a lot more to be devoured in New York. And the energy is great. Like, there's a lot of fresh, young, alive, awake energy.
0: I noticed that, yeah, when I'm there, the energy feels good. It feels a little more dangerous on the streets, but uh, you know, in New York back in the day it was kind of dangerous on the streets, so it's almost like a throwback to some some energy. You have to kind of keep your head up a little bit more, but that's mm-hmm. not too unusual. um and yeah, it it did seem to have a vibrant vibe still, so it's you know i I'm getting ready to go back there and play a couple shows. Uh, city right. winery on the twenty fifth at a tribute show and then at this little club called Berlin on the twenty-sixth.
1: Oh fantastic. Um, yeah you should I'll come be there. out. All right. Absolutely. Berlin's so great. I feel like yeah. also in New York, you know, I've I've lived there since two thousand and two. And so I've seen I've seen some of these waves where New York tends to feel like it just becomes really really corporate and there's no room for artistry and right. um, you know there's it's uh, the arts and 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 especially young people are just not celebrated and then the scales get tipped too far and then we go back and there's just this resurgence of young people making art and fashion and I feel like right now we're definitely in one of those moments where the city is just hungry for output of of artistry and that's just been super fun i love i love to be a part of that
0: beyond the city too just in the world in general i feel like we're in the middle of a creative explosion i mean you have sort of economic collapse happening everywhere and jobs that you people used to pursue are being replaced by people building businesses and becoming entrepreneurs through the internet you know and On some level that's daunting and you know, social media and all that stuff that you have to confront and all the pitfalls of that. But there is also this um, sort of calling that if you can get out of your own way and become creative and use your mind and use what you're passionate about, you can actually make a really good living and, and also even figure out a way to scale it. I mean, you could even create a course for instance on knife building i i bet you know and i bet you could you could sell that course through your socials and you could scale it i mean so you could be having income coming in from your course so you could just do a video course and it's like you do the work and it takes like s- six months to build say and you get real intricate and detailed and then that's there for you providing income for You know while you sleep i mean have you thought about doing anything like that
1: literally talking about that today
0: wow (laughs) absolutely
1: yeah and and you know i think that um you know i was talking about this with my business manager today about ways that i've thought about uh bringing you know bringing my ideas and my vision to the world like as a book right in the past and now it's like why not why not actually offer complete access and do a course you know with 10 modules where you get more and more complex and and right. more access to me and the pitfalls and the triumphs and and all of that like creating a course and it's really interesting i feel like um the the more young people I meet today I find that I have so many much younger people around me and when I think of myself when I was their age I was like my god I thought that I was I thought that I was like quite mature and smart but they're they're the way that what they've grown up with like compared to what I have grown up have grown up with it's like they're just decades ahead of me in terms of like how to monetize your art form how to get yourself out there how to bring together community i find it super super inspiring and they're so hungry for it and they have such a wonderful understanding of that that everyone is needed you know that we're all trying to put ourselves out there in a unique way where we can support ourselves but everyone is needed that there's no such thing as competition that there's space for everybody and that the more we help one another the more we can actually feed and support one another i just think that's so awesome so yeah absolutely i want to i want to do in cor- in-person courses and virtual courses
0: it's so true it is true there's room for everybody it, but you know the the barrier to entry is only your own self-imposed limitations which is like a subject i've been obsessing about lately and and what are the sort of what is the root cause of your own self-imposed limitations? And I've pinned it down to anger. I think it's unresolved anger, which leads to procrastination and clutter and and the inability to get going. Because, you know, like even what you said with branching off into, um, you know, useless art, so to speak, or, or getting, you know, and then I have all kinds of things along those same lines like what's holding us back have you investigated that in your own self in terms of your own self-imposed limitations and what the root cause of those might be
1: yes I've actually been thinking a lot about this recently and for me it really comes down to how attached are you to your suffering how attached Mm. are you to your story And the more I can detach from that, like the more, okay. So the more I can kind of have a more blown out perspective where, okay, we're all coming back here in the end anyway, right? Like looking down at what's happening and my dad's there and my mom who's still alive, she's there. And we're looking at each other. Like, wow, look at all this cool stuff we're doing together. As soon as I can get back out to that blown out perspective, I'm like, wow, I don't have any attachment to this suffering. Right. And so much more is possible and we can all go there together. and It's like instantaneous, like art forms, just, just exploding. But it's hard when you're kind of stuck in the suffering of your avatar, um, to get past those things. And for me, there's definitely some anger. There's a lot of sadness and like, it's unfair and woe is me. Um, mm-hmm. and so the more, the more I can just like realize that and like sort of thank myself for whatever reason you want to hang on to those things, whether it be protection or just to feel seen and heard. I see you, I hear you, I got you, but we've got bigger things to do. We've got like, there's just, there's just more joy. I wanted to to just lean into more joy and more understanding. Like I'm, there's no need to stay where we're at, you know, and kind of, and Mm. just sort of feeding ourselves the same story over and over. Story is a big one for me. It's like, I'm a storyteller. Like what story am I telling? I want to be telling the story of new discoveries.
0: Totally it's identity. It's like, and then you just, you can whittle it down to ego you know whittle there's a knife reference right there you gotta (laughs) you need a knife to whittle so we're still talking about (laughs) knives here folks no like
1: creating all these modules like edges whittling
0: (laughs) edges whittling yeah no but but it's ego it's like it's identity and and it's like i was writing about it the other day i wrote a poem i could dig it up but i i won't i'll spare you i'll spare you a poetry reading (laughs) but wait till you're in new york it's yeah in new york read it to you it's all about identity and it's it's self-imposed limitations and that's the thing and the key to it all is forgiveness and also observation of your thoughts because it's like the thoughts are holding you captive because they're always telling the story to you inside and you can recognize it by if you're locked in the past or the future which most everyone is li- identifying with all the time But if you can practice present moment awareness, and if you can forgive and really let go, I mean, I practice Ho'oponopono to forgive and to be in the present. And then if you really start, you know, getting anger out of the picture, you do have that childlike wonder that returns. Because if you really think about just the fact that we exist, I mean, is so weird. Uh, you know, existence <laughs> itself. It's like we exist. How crazy is that? If you really just like look at existence straight in the eyes and go, "What are you? What is this?" I, you know, <laughs> even saying it now, it's almost making me have a bad acid trip. <laughs> you know, I think like, about this all the time. I better time stop to- talking like this.
1: <laughs> I think about this all the time, and like, and how I, I just get like super thankful for like my, like me, like the, the little avatar of Chelsea, like this the weird little creature that has all of its preferences and has all of its hurts and its triggers. And, you know, just being super thankful for that. Like you're that, you are the little, you're the, you're the character in my greater scheme of life. You know, my, my, my childlike state that I get to funnel into this this little character that's like very prickly sometimes. And I just am so thankful of like the commitment to like what I really believe in and like just being this beautiful, beautiful soul that like loves everybody and takes everything so personally and like just tries so hard. I just, I, I just find myself like in, in so much gratitude for myself, you know, because I know that we're all going back to, a bigger place, you know, where we'll, we'll I'll shed this little character behind, but just being appreciative of all the little things that maybe are the sticky points or are the anger that holds me back or is whatever is holding me back. Like being appreciative of that, like, would you want everything all together, all at once right now? Like the most amazing things you could ever, you know, imagine. Like, I love how this little avatar is like working its way through this little path and making all these self-discoveries and letting go and leaving little trails of breadcrumbs behind for somebody else. It's such a beautiful process, and sometimes I can really get caught up in the suffering of it and wanting it to be easier. But in the gratitude, there is a lot of ease.
0: Mm. Yeah. This reminds me of this quote I just pulled up. What man actually needs is not attentionless state, but rather the striving and struggling for some goal worthy of him. And of course, reading it to you, I could go, what a woman actually needs is not attentionless state, but rather the striving and struggling for some goal worthy of her. That's Viktor Frankl, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning. And it's like, that's really true. Like what you said about Would you just want everything on a silver platter? And of course, that wouldn't be fun because the fun is overcoming your limitations, self-imposed or otherwise, and figuring out a workaround and having a goal worthy of you. The, The problem is we live in a world that's so corrupt and so full of demonic forces and distractions and addictions that I think most people are divorced from even knowing what their worthy goal is, they sort of sense that they're not living up to their potential. Um, and so you know and they and they have all this sort of negative uh, you know you know time trying to control their impulses and they never get to a place where they love themselves enough to actually discover what that worthy goal is. And what I hear you saying is a lot about self-love. Which on a surface level could be like, oh, who, you know, who does she think she is? But I read that more like, no, that is the work. You have to get to a place of finally loving yourself so that you can bring love to other people. So how did you get to that place? Like what, what practice, are you a Christian? Are you religious? Do you practice yoga? I mean, what, what is your, um, what brought you to this space?
1: Well, uh, what, what I hear you saying is like, you know, we're talking about all of the sort of metaphysical, like inner world challenges. But the outer world is some for some people, a larger challenge or just as equally as challenging. And I think that for all of us finding who we are in the world, you know, how we absorb and how we respond to all of the beautiful and equally horrible things that are happening in the world is so difficult and it's such a part that's really part of the work. And that has been, um, a really big part of my practice. And I don't really ascribe to any one, um, practice, just, um, commitment to checking in with myself, listening to myself, always, you know, always trying to just honor the, my inner voice. Um, and for me, it's really been trying to figure out, what my role is in the outside, beautiful and equally chaotic world. Um, and what I have found is that like, you know, a phrase that has always rung really true to me is that, um, well, what is it? It's like, if you have to help yourself before you can help others, you know, or to live by example. So the greatest, the greatest challenge for me is to make sure that, i'm good you know and it's not just about denial of things that are terrible but how do i get myself to a place that is safe that is in in my art that is uh, expansive and that's that's a whole that's a whole practice and if i can do that then i can be in service to others by being a beacon right be providing access for others um opening up a conversation or invitation to join me where i'm at and we can create more and more of this like for me it's about building community in a place of honesty so like i don't feel like i have anything to offer if i'm not in an honest place or i'm just acting out of anger um i really have to make sure that i'm in like really strong communion with my inner voice
0: yeah definitely well for me it's really strong communion with god my inner voice sucks i'm trying to get away (laughs) from my my inner voice is like get that that guy can go ahead and leave now i just want to talk i just want to know god But I think, I think in a weird way, we're basically saying the same thing, you know, or uh, thinking the same thing, cause it's true. man. so much of what I do in my day is just to get into a good state of mind so that I can be of service or create value. And yeah, a lot of it is self-centered as well, because obviously we're on a crazy plane of existence where we need to worry about our survival or not worry about it, but we need to contend with survival. So some of that comes along for the ride, but if you balance it right, where you're more concerned with offering value, then that's the right balance. But to even get there, you almost, especially the older I get, you almost have to live, I'm not, I don't want to say perfectly, but you know, if I go off the rails in sort of any way, it definitely takes, you know, the flight, the oxygen mask off the crashing mm-hmm. plane, so to speak.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And, you know, let's be clear, like I've got many voices and, uh, you know, there are many of them that want to take me off the rails in every different direction. But it's the one that's hardest to hear that I really need to make sure that I, you know, resist all the, the other voices that I can really hear it and like disconnect from the story that I've been telling myself to really hear Mm -hmm. it. And sometimes that means like, I have to go out and smash things up and like clear, clear the blood, clear the brush for my future self to be able to really hear my voice. Um, But as you were saying that made me wonder, like, what is it like for you as a dad? Like that, that I know, like Mm. when I first moved to the city, I spent a lot of time with little kids and that really helped me connect with my inner voice cuz there's they just had so, little kids just have always had so much to offer me in terms of the truth <laughs> you know just being straight up like unfiltered um little like bundles of knowledge and excitement and wonder
0: well as a dad you you you're responsible to bring the love to the child not the other way around you know and so in order to do that And I don't think love really comes from human sources. I think love comes from God. So I have to align myself with God in order to receive love in order to, and I'm responsible to give love to my child. So it basically what it's like to be a dad in the conversation we're having is it just ups the stakes because it's not just you anymore. So it becomes even like all the stakes are higher. The negative stakes are higher and the positive stakes are higher. And a child is, you know, can be very difficult as well. It's hard. It's, you know, I'm I'm looking at videos on, you know, on how to deal and how to communicate with a toddler and stuff like that, because once you can't. Even into cartoons and sugar, they start wanting cartoons and sugar. And when the, you don't give them cartoons or sugar, they throw tantrums. And then you have to deal with that. And then you have, you know, so it, it it's like w- when you're idealizing being a parent, you think like, oh, I'll never do that. Or I'll never do this, or I'll never just put a cartoon on, but you will, <laughs> you'll put a cartoon <laughs> on <you know? laughs> like, and also I don't think that's bad. That's all bad because I think they right. need a break from like you know they need to zone out they need to like you know but it can't be too much but you know they have they become addictive on those things too so you have to like no let's go outside and they might cry a little bit when you pull them away from the cartoon but you just got to do that kind of thing and and yeah you have to be in tip-top spiritual shape or the whole thing just goes pear but they're an amazing uh reflection of that because even if you sort of you know how like there's all kinds of middle roads of what we're talking about. There's the time when you're in the zone where you're like you and God are like he and, and she and, and you and God and God uh-huh. is your best friend and you're doing everything right. And you're being a little angel. And the only danger there is your ego starts going like, wow, look how great I am on every single thing I'm doing is amazing. and, then, and it's awesome <laughs> you know, right but then there's also, There's those middle ground times too, where you're kind of like, you know, you're pretty good, but you're doing this little thing that, you know, you shouldn't, but it's not that big of a deal when you have a kid and you have one of those moments where you're doing this little thing, it's not that big of a deal. You're not, it's not like a crazy addiction or something, but it's just, you know, it's a little off, you know, those, kind, whatever that is for you, that yeah. you will see that in the kid right away. Like, and, and so you go like, wow, this is all very sensitive. Like you can't, there's the margin for error goes way, way down or way, way up, whichever that makes the most sense. Let me take a quick break. We'll be right back after these words on TNT. My
1: baby's back from the west coast. (laughs) Hear those pictures that you asked for, for your school project? First day of school, cute as a button. (laughs) (laughs) So long ago. Oh, here's Grandma Florence after that flood wiped out the whole neighborhood. Mm. Sometimes I just cannot believe all the storms we've gone through here. I can only hope that we'll be able to leave this house to you one day, baby. You're our legacy. Planning for these disasters will make sure we're safe and is the best way to protect that legacy.
0: Ah, <laughs> those beans smell heavenly.
1: Mm-hmm. Give mom a little credit. <laughs> you know what? We should make an emergency communication plan. That way we're ready this year. Oh, thank you. At my dorm, we have emergency kits for earthquakes and wildfires, but I'm sure there's something more local I can send you with the link. Okay, smart. I'm coming to stay with you guys. Protect your legacy. Plan for natural disasters today. Visit ready.gov forward slash plan. Military families often sacrifice precious time away from loved ones while serving our country. And for those with children, the separation can be especially difficult. We were worried that with him leaving, that she would lose those connections with her dad. Some of life's best moments happen between parents, children,
0: and the pages of a good book. United Through Reading provides that connection. You can watch your mom or dad read a book to you, and it almost feels like they're really there.
1: We ensure they remain a consistent, meaningful part of their children's lives, no matter the distance. Just seeing Jacob recognize Daddy again after a long time just melted my heart. And now, as we're facing greater isolation from our loved ones, United Through Reading is also available to veterans. Learn more about United Through Reading and download our free secure app at unitedthroughreading.org.
0: Joseph Arthur and his Technicolor Dreamcast on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And we're back going deep with Chelsea Miller Knives. Chelsea Miller, you got to go. What's your Instagram handle? Let everybody see your knives while we're talking.
1: At Chelsea Miller Knives.
0: At Chelsea Miller Knives, go check them out. You will not be disappointed. They are incredible. Yeah. So you, we were talking on the break about like you know, child, you know, being a dad, myself, and and you maybe potentially being coming a mother and all that kind of stuff, and and thinking about your own parents. Um, how much do you think forgiveness has? This is kind of my latest obsession. That forgiveness is the key to unlocking creative stumbling blocks. So I wanted to ask you about that. Do you think uh, for, forgiveness is the key to unlocking creative stumbling blocks? And did you have any issues forgiving your parents for the mistakes they made?
1: Uh, oh, yeah, there's been a lot of um, walls removed in just my own personal forgiveness of you know, my experience as a child and, uh, you know, let's not get it twisted. I had a, I had an idyllic childhood um, and my parents were amazing. And would I say that I would do things differently? Yes. And like, I'm sure that they were just doing the best that they could, but you know, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that if I didn't, if I didn't take the time and it's not over, I still need to spend more time doing this, but taking the time to kind of unravel a lot of things and forgive my parents. Like I would not be the person or the artist that I am for sure not. And I think about the influence that they had on me positively and how I would love that opportunity with my own child, just to kind of swim in those waters of, of teaching them how to love and teaching them, teaching them what it is to be expressed and, um and learning learning from that as well
0: yeah it's wild it's it's the best i mean it it definitely expands what life you know uh, the value of life i think i mean i'm not you know not trying to throw shade on anyone who doesn't have a kid you can still have an amazing life but it definitely gives a deep meaning to your life as well that's sort of like i mean You know i'm 52 now and so maybe i was getting a little burned out on just me 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 all the time you know and so now it's like this it's kind of a reset in a way and a whole new perspective i do want to ask you about the 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 knife factory though the space you're opening up in brooklyn because i guess it's more than just a place to make knives you're going to do events there and you're opening up access to your world um, and and building of knives and making stuff at this space, right? I mean, what's the uh, yeah. what's the theme behind the space?
1: Yeah. So you know, I've just I've uh, I've just kind of allowed it to unfold organically, but really the ethos behind it is that uh, personally, I just want uh, more opportunity to collaborate, right? Like being a lonely knife maker, especially during the pandemic with down in my workshop with all my gear on like me and me and God, me and my dad or whoever, uh, you know, is, is amazing, but also just taking me out of the physical plane a little too much. And I just want to be able to play with real people in this world. And so I had this idea, I saw this space, which is a gorgeous loft space. Like I walked in the door and it just felt like all these spinning plates just kind of settled into place. And it just, it felt like having a home, a stage, um, uh, a, a, a home where I could open the door and welcome other people into the space and kind of start to actualize where they're at in terms of like if they're working on something in the culinary world or they're working on something artistically to be that kind of person that my father was to me in his workshop you know there to offer guidance to encourage and pull the story out of you but really just creating access and i i call it kitchen energy it's like you know we're all standing over the kitchen counter like adding our unique ingredients tasting each other's ideas, giving feedback. It's nourishing the community. Um, and that's what it really is about for me. And it's been so beautiful to see what a magnet or like a, a light bulb that's been for all these like crazy moths with all their ideas who show up and maybe their ideas are fully expressed. maybe them maybe some of them are really small and we're just I just want to create access and support for bringing what it is you have to say into the world and giving some feedback.
0: Is this kind of like you evolving into a teacher? You think
1: mm, that's interesting. Cause I, I, never think of myself as a teacher, but definitely into, um, like a mentor or a mother or a host, or it really, it, I always think of my dad and his workshop, like he never told me how not to do something, um, was always able to offer me guidance on what has worked best for him and then just leave me with a lot of um encouragement and a lot of wonder about where it might lead me. So kind of like I guess yeah, a teacher or a guide.
0: That's interesting. And where in Brooklyn is that?
1: It's in Williamsburg. It's in actually wow. one of the very few very few remaining uh manufacturing districts in New York City. So if this block that uh where there's still fabrication going on and like big warehouses and it's kind of very unassuming like you drive up the block and there's this big graffiti building and then you walk into quite a quite a different atmosphere of like this very well-designed chic space that you know people the the best compliment i get is that people say like it just feels like home and they never want to (laughs) leave
0: that's cool that's cool i want to check it out i would love to visit it sometime i mean you know it's uh you know it's interesting talking to you because it just seems like you're on this journey of expanding into your purpose with the purpose of helping others to expand into their purpose
1: that feels right yeah
0: yeah and and it's interesting that you pick knives though what do you do you ever spend time thinking about why knives i mean I, I know your dad influenced you and he he had a workshop and everything. Did he also build knives? I mean, why did you pick knives?
1: Yeah, I have, I have no idea. You know, a psychic once told me that in many lives, like as just a, as like a hobby, I start making swords and knives. <laughs> so that could be it. But, um, you know, I love, there's a real, I find a lot of beauty in knives and the simplicity of them. I mean, it's like the most basic, simple human, right? We have our voice and we have the ability to smash things up, but the, the, the functionality of a knife, like I love the idea of making one thing into two pieces, like making one thing into two, and then you have something to share. It's just this idea of multiplying your resources, multiplying your nourishment. And when I was growing up in Vermont, my father was a blacksmith and a carpenter. My mother was a nurse and also she did all the cooking and she studied macrobiotic cooking. And so she had a knife for every single task and she collected knives from all around the world, which I always thought were fascinating Um, and so beautiful. You know, it's like the, like my father had his tools and a lot of the tools he made for the jobs that he needed. My mom had her tools and everything that she did in the kitchen had a specific tool for that specific job. And I think, I had never really thought that much about it, which maybe is why um, it has worked out so well for me. Like, I I really think that one of the greatest lessons for me in this life is to realize, like, to think less and feel more, like to think less and know more. Um, And this is a perfect example of that. Like, there was never a point where I thought, ah, I've got it, like knives. Knives is going to be the path for me. It's just it's. I've just felt into it and known that that is somehow supportive of you know of of the way that I think and the way that I move and the what I have to offer.
0: Well, it's the split between your mom and your dad. If your mom was collecting the knives and your dad's a blacksmith, it's like the perfect split between <laughs> their influence. Is your mom uh, proud of the work you're doing?
1: Oh yeah, she's she's got what a beautiful piece, and she always tells me she's like there are so few things I can do uh, with any other knife. Like this is, this is the best knife ever. (laughs) She's very proud. They both are. And so, you know, when my dad was still alive, people would always ask him, are you surprised that Chelsea's a knife maker? And, And I love his response, which was always, I wouldn't be surprised with whatever she was doing.
0: Do you have any siblings?
1: I do. I have a sister who's two years younger and a brother who's seven years younger.
0: And what are they into? I mean, it's just like such an interesting, you've turned out so interesting and your parents seem so cool. Um, Have they found artistic paths themselves? And are you close to them?
1: I'm very close with them. Um, I would say slightly less artistic paths. Uh, They both live very close to where we grew up. My sister 20 minutes away and my brother lives on the same property, like through the trees in a separate house. Um, and my brother is very, has really taken on a lot of the legacy of my dad. Uh, it was certainly very hard for my brother because he was only in his 20s and spent a lot of his um, growing up being with my dad who was sick and also the only boy. So there's kind of a lot of attachment and struggling, I think, around that. Um, and maybe for my sister, too. But I'd say the, the very clear difference between myself and my siblings is maybe I was much I'm much more like my dad. Um, and able to kind of climb out of the of the the heaviness of being in the avatar and like really seeing the bigger picture um but you know whenever i go home i always try to like rattle the cage and get everybody excited hopefully i'm not too annoying but I'm like let's all get in our art
0: <laughs> do you have a, a morning ritual to getting out of this avatar i mean this is a fascinating aspect of you that you're so keyed in on that like your ego is like dissolving i guess to some degree because people who say stuff like getting out of their avatar means that their ego is dissolving a little bit i think their identity is dismantling into like becoming more just presence itself i mean do you have a morning ritual do you how do you set yourself on that course on a daily basis
1: you know what i think it is i think that just the knife making itself like when i'm when i'm I've got headphones on, I've got eye protection on. Sometimes I listen to a podcast, sometimes nothing, but you know, there's there's no room for any I'm really really in the zone. Like my body is fully engaged in the pressure, the pressure and and letting the materials lead me and making something and that kind of right. gives me a lot of space to step outside the body. Um, and connect with, uh, for me, it's always like, I'm always kind of looking for clarity, you know, I'm like just kind of with the intention of like, more information, I want more information before I make a decision, like, wh- how much more information is out there. And while I'm engaged in making something, it, it really just makes that that um, e- easy for me. Um, and right, so that's so the work. I
0: So the work itself is a practicing of presence basically it's like Mm -hmm. a form of meditation
1: yes 100 percent. and i you know uh i'm i meditate more traditionally now but ever since i started knife making that was that was when i really was able to like boom like black blast out of the body
0: (laughs) incredible
1: growing up my dad would always say like you know when i'm working i go to pluto i'm like oh maybe i'll meet you there someday
0: well, we got to wrap this up. It's been amazing. It's been deep. It's got a lot to think about. I also want to say that like I, when I was first speaking out about the MRNA stuff, I was getting a lot of flack online. You, you, you sent me a little message of support, I think, you know, not to blow up your spot on that if, you know, but <laughs> I appreciated that. I mean, you know, and, uh, so thank you for that and tell everyone oh. where to find you. And, and, uh, again, once again, tell everybody where to find you
1: well just to go back on that one second like we all saw each other you know and when you see each other you gotta love each other um, thank you so much and please check out my work at chelsea dot com or at chelsea miller knives and let's let's cut deep
0: let's cut deep with chelsea you gotta make a t-shirt let's cut deep chelsea miller <laughs> knives on the back let's <laughs> well, we cut deep alright we gotta go thanks so much chelsea it's been wonderful talking to you I hope to see yeah. you in new york at berlin or maybe even at the Knife Factory. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. We'll be right back with more on TNT.